You're listening to Film School, broadcasting every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time at KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California, and on the web at KUCI.org slash filmschool. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. In her new film, Frozen River, our guest today, director Courtney Hunt, focuses on an upstate New York trailer mom who is lured into the world of illegal immigrant smuggling when she meets a Mohawk girl who lives on a reservation that straddles the U.S.-Canadian border. Frozen River was originally Hunt's second short film. It premiered at the New York Film Festival in September 2004 and went on to win numerous awards the new feature version of Frozen River won the Grand Jury Prize at the 2008 Sundance Film Festival. Courtney Hunt, welcome to Film School. Hi, Nathan. How are you doing today? Pretty good. Very good. What's the weather like there in uh, 917 area code? We have about a foot of snow. Oh, really? Wow. So, yeah. you, so you got, you're used to that. Well, the winters have been up and down lately, but we just have this lovely, big, huge snowfall for Christmas this wow. year. Wow, wow, that's that's something. I mean, the, the film is is all shot. The uh, Frozen River is all shot in in temperatures that uh, we rarely ever never see here in Southern California. So, <laughs> so that in itself made us uh, no. uh, experience the ambiance. I, I had to put that. a sweater on watching. The yeah. film. I, I just, it's, uh, Before we get going into it, though, I'd like to congratulate you on all the nominations you have for the Independent Spirit Award. It's almost an embarrassment of nominations that so you have. Best Director and uh, Best for a Screenplay, uh, Melissa Leo for Best Female Lead, uh, Misty Uphill for Supporting Female, and Charlie McDermott for Supporting Male. Congratulations on all that. You, are, you, uh, are you prepared to win all this? Um, well, it's so nice to be nominated, uh-huh. and um, we're prepared for whatever should come. Yeah, well, very good. Now, the, just let's talk about the first of all the weather in the film because I know that sometimes when it gets that cold, it's difficult to to even shoot and to get things together. Was that a was that a problem for you in making Frozen River? Well, it's funny you should ask that. Yeah. Yesterday it was about seventeen degrees, and I was going through some parking lot out of a big chain store, and I've been blocking how cold it was. And in <laughs> interviews, I've been saying, "Well, we just put on socks and blah blah," and it hit me how cold it was. Yeah. And it's like I had this whole flashback. The thing that was hard was making yourself leave the hotel <laughs> in the morning and knowing that you were going out into the freezing cold and you were going to stay there. <laughs> and then once you could get through that, and that that involved a lot of denial and a lot of compartmentalization, uh-huh. you know, like I, you know, to just face it. And once you got out there, you got going, that was okay. Technically, you know, machines can handle it better than I think people. And so we only had one time when the camera, um, we're not quite sure what happened to her, but she needed to take a little rest, <laughs> and she did. And Reed Dawson Morano, my DP, cradled her <laughs> and, and wrapped her up and talked to her very nicely, and then she came back on. It took about three hours. Really? Oh, is wow. that right? Jeez. Now, I just want to give a uh, some uh, kudos to your crew because – Obviously, the, the, these films, as uh, I sh- don't have to tell you, these aren't huge budget films. You don't have uh, the trailers and uh, and all the supporting uh, cast. And you had, a, I'm sure, a bare bones uh, crew here. 
uh, and congratulations to them for braving uh, this. Uh, well, and it's a wonderful look too. You yeah, accomplished really a lot a with very little. I always appreciate that in a in a film. The it's easy to make something that's that's uh, eye candy when it's uh, when you've got a sixty billion million dollar budget, but when you don't, you, you've ab- you've been able to create something that's just wonderful to look at and and really touches the heart too. So, thank you for that. Well, you're very welcome, but I think that mostly we just went to the place where this takes place and turned the camera on mm-hmm. because that's the way it looks up there. It's a frozen world, and I think it's I think that in and of itself is beautiful. Um, the crew, a lot of them came from Vermont. There was a whole group from Vermont, and um, they were very game. I mean, they really, they were great. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, it was hard for me to make myself leave the the hotel room it had to be harder for them and and yet they they you know they just made a nice group and they just went forward with a great deal of um determination had you worked with uh, this crew before no okay this is your first time with them now let's get to the story uh, how did you come upon the story this is obviously your screenplay what right. was it uh, that uh, what was it that drove your interest to this story initially well, I've been watching this situation for a long time. It goes on at the border. It's all based on a true situation. And my husband comes from a uh, little town very near this particular reservation, and I just kept my eye on it for a long time. There was some smuggling of cigarettes that went on, and, and then I'd heard that people shifted over to illegal immigrants, and I found it more and more fascinating. So over time, I got to know different um, people on the reservation, got a sense of the culture there. And it really was a slow, slow development of the story. But um, particularly after 9-11, it seemed to me um, more poignant and more meaningful than it, than it had before. Now, now you've got the, the, the short version of the film by 2004, it turns out to be successful. I, I think I even uh, read where Sony came in and just invested in it even before you won awards uh, to get you. Am I correct in that? No. Um, oh. <laughs> no, Sony actually bought the film our third day at Sundance, ah. um, third or fourth day, before we won the grand prize. But but we had gotten to that point. They saw it for the first time at Sundance. Ah, oh, I got you. Okay, very good. My, my mistake, but but nevertheless, how was it working between uh, the, the short version and and the stretched out version? Did you know right off the bat where you were going to make this a feature film? Yeah, I, I always had that in mind, but I try not to focus on. It. I think your short films have to stand on their own. Mine, yeah. have, you know, they have to stand on their own. Oh. Um, they can't be a trailer. I don't think making a trailer would have worked for me. Um, I wanted to see if you know, and really, if you think about it, every scene in a movie has to have certain standalone quality. Uh-huh. And so I just thought of it in that way that the scenes in the short would just have to it would just have to have its own legs and th- and then if it seemed to connect with people which it did um I would go back and I would you know rip this thing open and go at it again mm-hmm. which is what I did. Yeah. It took I mean it took let's see 2004 I shot the short no I um I shot the yeah and oh. then 2007 I shot the feature. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it was like 3 years. And how many shooting days uh for uh the feature? 24. 24 days. Well, well, it was moving. Yeah, it was moving along, but I guess the cold weather kind of was an inspiration, too, <laughs> at, le- at least to, 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 to move things, to make you con- concentrate on work. I'm not yeah. suggesting anything about 
about the brevity of your attention, but more uh, make you focus on what it was oh, in sure. front of you. I'm sure, you didn't want to be out there any longer you needed to be. <laughs> now, I would I would ask you about the this this is such an interesting um, place that uh, that we're 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 talking about in terms of this Indian reservation. I don't want to call it a no man's land, but it is kind of a gray area where there this Indian uh, land straddles the American Canadian border. Um, give us a little background on how it works, how the governance of that area works, and how it relates to the film, I guess. Well, you know, I think of it um, more as a borderland, and I think border territories around the world probably share this characteristic of, you know, you, you walk a few feet this way and everything has a different meaning, um, and somebody else is the law. Um, in this situation, you have the Americans and the Canadians. You have that border. Then you have the border um, around the reservation. So the reservation is a sovereign territory, which means they have their own government. They have their own legal um, uh, system. They have their own police. Um, the, the authorities, the federal authorities, um, I think, have a limited ability in each country, uh, that is, um, U.S. and Canada, to 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 enter the reservation, the local authorities just don't do it. Mm-hmm. So the troopers don't go and arrest people on the reservation. That doesn't happen. And it's strange, you mm-hmm. know, to have a place in, especially in this country, that, you know, law enforcement really doesn't go to. Mm-hmm. Well, very narrow circumstances under which the federal authorities in this country would enter that reservation. It's just interesting because, I mean, without getting too much into the mechanics of this, but it it uh, in the film we have, there's situations where the local police need to be they need to be in pursuit of a, the situation and uh and they stop and it's just an i mean it's and you just you're right i, I don't know it, it 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 factors into this in in terms of its geography but it also is the state of mind uh the, for the film it really works in, in terms of uh uh the story itself so mm-hmm. Uh, well, I think it p- plays with perspective and it right. plays with point of view, you know, and depending on what shoes you're walking in, you know, you have a different set of rules. And I, I like that because I think there is this feeling on the reservation among some people that, you know, of course we should be allowed to, to, to run anything we want across this territory. It's ours mm-hmm. and it's free trade, which I always thought was such a kind of a great way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> um, at the same time, you know, from another point of view, it's it's – it's dangerous. It's, you know, it's illegal, and 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 so I think um, I like stories where you don't really know the filmmaker's point of view, but you get a really good dose of all the different points of view within the story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, we're speaking with Courtney Hunt, the director of Frozen River. Mike, did you? No, and you do in this film. You get you get a lot of different perspectives in this film. Um, how did uh, how uh, did uh, you? Uh, how did Melissa Leo come into the project? Well, I kind of got lucky. I live in a small town about two hours north of New York, and she came up here with uh, 21 grams when James Seamus screened it mm. and um, at a little film festival. And I went at, and, and I talked to her, you know, oddly enough about something else. But I made friends with her um, and called her up and I asked her, will you look at my short film? And she said she would. And, you know, I figured, yeah, that's as far as that's going to go. But, you know, I sent it to her and she called up and she said, well, I'll meet with you and and, and I'll do it. Which, yeah, she's really uh, very, she's quite intrepid. (laughs) She'll she'll do a lot. So um, she did it. 
Was, was she driving the car most of the time? And... She did all of her own driving. Yeah. All, there was no stunt driver at any point. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, well, and just just her, her conduct, there's a lot that she goes through in this film. Uh, not to give away anything, but there's, there's a lot of extraordinarily emotional moments and a lot of... Um, Moments that she has to keep things inside. Right. A lot of things that she has to be very physical, and and she does just a, a wonderful job. Did that did that leak out to the rest of the cast there? Oh yeah, she was a complete inspiration to really everyone, including me, in that she simply just went forward bravely every day, one foot in front of the other. And um, that you know when when you have that sort of a little beacon, people tend to follow it. Mm-hmm. So in many ways, she was kind of our uh, the guiding factor um, on on the shoot. Just for those people who won't know Melissa Leo by name, they'll know her from uh, well, Twenty One Gram. Twenty One Gram, but also from most people would know her from uh, Homicide: Life on the Streets. Uh, she was the uh, the detective, the big red haired uh, detective on that show. Well, she, and she was a frail redhead, yeah, but she had, <laughs> she had a she, lot of red she, hair. She had this kind of acting style uh, that a just scrappy. drew that she that drew you in. And you 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 know, I don't know what she's like as a person, but you have a sense of her as somebody who is game for uh, for a lot. She's willing to extend herself as an actor. And uh, it comes across in this film. She she doesn't. She's not prettied up. She is certainly a woman uh, of limited means in this film, uh, struggling to to make ends meet. And the world is closing in on her. And she does an amazingly good job here of bringing you into her character and into her family situation. Yeah, and she's a, she really serves the role. Like she commits to it wholeheartedly. And we actually had this conversation on the short, and I said to her, you know, not knowing, I was a little shy, and I said, you know, I don't know what you want to do with your hair. Um, <laughs> your hair, I know, is kind of an important thing, because um, I'd seen, you know, the other role she'd done, and of course the hair was figuring prominently, yeah. and she just kind of whips around and sort of points at me, and she said, listen, you tell me what you want me to do with my hair. I don't care. And I was like, just put it in a ponytail. And she said, okay. <laughs> That's right. what we did. Yeah. So she is there to serve her craft like nobody's business, like yeah. nobody I've ever met. And I'm sure there are a few actors out there that really do that. But, and she, I, I know there are, but this is one of them. Well, it's a tribute to, to you and to the screenplay that uh, she is a selective actress. It's not she don't, You don't see her in a lot of films. Uh, but when you do, she makes this kind of an impression, and uh, obviously she felt strongly about this Was there material. a lot of improvisation on the set, or was this pretty much uh, close to the script? We had none. No, 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 uh, no, improvisation. No, we, we, no, we don't. We didn't. No, but she's very good. She makes it seem that way. But yeah. no, there was no improvisation. I was going to say, all. well, then, then, congratulations to you because it just seemed like a really natural script. There was nothing, nothing forced there at all. And, well, and, I think more than anything, it was the probably the most beautiful collaboration I've ever seen because she met me halfway. Like we were right there together every mm-hmm. single moment of this thing. And, um, you know, the, the words came t- from me, but they came through her. And where one ends and the other begins, I, I, w- I couldn't tell you. Yeah. Now, also, uh, not to uh, forget about, uh, uh, is it Misty Upham? Yes. Who, yeah. Who does, it is a wonderful job. Is, is it, uh, I forget now, Lila. Yes. Yes, the, the Indian woman in this uh, 
Where did you come in contact with her? I found her on a Native American website um, of actors, Mm -hmm. and I chose her because of the way she looked. Um, And then I talked to her and found that she's this incredibly bright, interesting woman who um, she'd done a couple of Chris Eyre films, smaller parts at that point. And um, I just took a chance and said, I, this, I had a feeling that she was really good, and she is indeed an exciting young actress yeah. on her way. Well, she, she uh, again, I mean, and it's a testament to, to the, the, the look and the feel of the film, but she, she, they, she just seems so natural as the person that she portrays. I, it's hard to imagine that she isn't the person who lived on that reservation, who lived in that trailer, and who was involved in the things that she was doing. So... Uh, she really came across as very a very natural actress in this. Yeah, and then people have asked me, you know, has she acted before? Was she just yeah. being herself? And, yeah. you know, she wasn't being herself at all. Herself is completely different from, from the character, which is, you know, tickles me to death because no one understands she's incredibly funny, very bright and very funny and talks a lot more. And, you know, she's a totally different personality. There, I mean, there are things she shares with Lila, but the the mostly... That's just the character. Yeah, she did a great job. <laughs> uh, can, can I'm, I'm just going to throw kind of a left field uh, observation at you. Uh, it was it was good to see Mark Boone Jr. <laughs> I, I I've seen him. He's one of those actors that you see. He leaves this impression, but it's kind of like I know I've seen him from other films, but he was uh, he was very good as this kind of scummy. Uh, human scummy. trafficker uh, guy. The the, the uh-huh. you know just uh, he just he's. Boy, did he throw himself into that role too? He really, really kind of talk about dressing down here. He he really did. So, uh, well, uh, just to go on too about about the cast. I I think that uh, I heard you say before in another interview that it's about the children though too, and that that's what this is. The yeah. screenplay is, is is centered on and uh, about yeah. about sacrifices for for uh, for children that that people make. Um, yeah, I know it's a it's a larger picture you're looking at, but it's it's through the children. I think the story is told. How is it working with the younger people on this cast? Well, everyone was different. I had babies, <laughs> yeah. and um, they're they're really easy to work with. <laughs> um, you know, you just you know where you stand with them all the time. <laughs> yeah. But um, with the little guy uh, with um, James, um, who played uh, Ricky. Uh-huh. You know, that was his first time acting and his first time on a set. Luckily for me, he just happens to be Charlie McDermott's cousin. (laughs) So they had a prior relationship, and it was a very, you know, very brotherly, very sweet little thing that was going on, which increased, I think, Ricky's, I mean, he had no self-consciousness. He was with his cousin. And so it was great. And that, I think, saved us in so many ways. Um, And so we just we did whatever worked for him to make it to make his performance and whatever he said to be coming right out of him, just blossoming or sputtering right out of him in a very natural way. We just did whatever we had to do. Melissa and I would kind of tag team and, you know, we're both mommies. So we just kind (laughs) of worked it. And with, you know, Charlie, Charlie's like, you know, he plays a kid, but he's not a kid. He's, he's a really good actor and the guy, he's got quite a bit of experience and was, you know, really hit the ground running. He he was terrific as well. Now, how much of a hand in, in casting the film did you have? Well, I cast the lead, so um, except uh, I got help from Melissa uh, with 
Michael O'Keefe, and I also got help from Heather Ray, my producer, with Mark Boone Jr. and others. Uh, oh, and Charlie. Charlie McDermott was cast, and 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 Ricky also. Um, she found them, and we. I wouldn't really call it casting when you call people up and say, "Can you do this movie? Okay, get on a plane. Yeah. Okay, action." Yeah, it's sort of an abbreviated casting process, really. It, it's kind of it's kind of a circle of friends calling a circle of friends. Basically, <laughs> and you know, Heather just happens to have extremely good judgment on this, these kinds of things. And you know, she made a couple of great calls. You know, yeah. she she made a couple of great choices. So um, that that was enormously helpful. And we also cast thirteen Mohawks off the Ganawaga Reservation up in um, Canada, yeah. who came down, and they were mostly first time actors. Um, and so that was, you know, that was sort of shifting and being able to work in the moment with them. Have they had a chance to see the film? Some have. Um, some, I'm not sure if everyone has, but um, I know some have. Mm-hmm. We're, yeah. we're sp- oh, it was no. in Montreal, but I, it's, it's, it was tricky because it kind of, it's hard, yeah. to, it was hard right. to make it happen. Uh, we're speaking with uh, Courtney Hunt. The film is Frozen River. Now, um, Melissa, uh, uh, Leo's character, uh, Ray works at a place called Yankee One Dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's I notice that's a real place there in, in town. Uh, so so the, I guess they got a plug there. But it, how was it working with with the uh, the the townspeople itself? How was it work taking over their their store there? Were there were you using anybody? From the store in in the cast, we did. We used um, a couple of the people that work in the store um, in there in the background of the shot, and that was kind of fun, I think, for them. And yeah. uh, the owner of the Yankee One Dollar was gracious enough to let us use the store, which was really nice. And um, the town of Plattsburgh, New York, you know, wasn't yeah. spoiled by having a film there every you know fifteen minutes, so they thought it was kind of cool, I think, to have a movie in town. Yeah. And they couldn't have been nicer. They they really helped us out. Yeah, very good. I want um, this is one of your Spirit Award nominations is for uh, screenplay, and I I want to compliment you on the screenplay in that there's a tremendous amount of economy within this film. Every, there are, everything serves a perp, a greater purpose in this film. It moves the story along, but it's also there's there's a lot of double there's dual purpose in 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 the writing. And in in the in the script itself, so I uh, I compliment you on that. It really felt like uh, you got a lot out of this 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 script. Is that what's your favorite part of, of putting the film together? Do you like directing or do you like the screenplay? Yeah, the screenplay is hard. Uh-huh. That's always I'm writing one now. It's hard. It's not fun, and there are moments of wonderful like discovery in it but really i have to work at that Mm -hmm. when i was directing that felt natural and made sense to me and felt you know i would like to maybe direct not in a freezing cold climate next time (laughs) but besides that it was kind of um joyous yeah and yeah. and and felt it it makes sense to me on like a cellular level in a way that writing i like have to work are you are speaking of that? You said you're working on something now. Is this? Uh, can you do you want to talk about it, or are you just? Uh, is it secret? It's oh no, it's. <laughs> is it secret? <laughs> yes, no, it's not that secret. I mean, it's, I've talked about it. it's a turn of the century script, and I'm actually doing. I mean, I'm in a late, late draft on it. I mean, I'm doing, like this is like a fifth draft polish. Yeah. But um, but still, you know, when you talk about economy, um, I find the closer I get to finishing something the more I push it 
I push the timing of it. I push the pacing of it. I take out the junk. I take out the things that I just thought were so witty or, you know what I mean, that, that sort of ego gratification. So I, all that goes, and every moment, every word has to serve the story or it goes. Mm-hmm. So I get really uh, brutal in those last rewrites, especially the very last one, and that's how I got – see, because with Frozen River, I, there was no time to shoot anything extra. Mm-hmm. So we only had 24 days, and if the story didn't get shot, that was going to be just too bad. Mm-hmm. So it was critical that everything that could be cut was cut. So that kind of got that in my and, – and I'm sort of that way anyway. But mm-hmm. I just think that there, I, I don't like waste. Yeah. Now, in, in getting to that stage when you're writing a script, you, you, you know you're going to come up to the final cut. You know you're running through the last time. Do you ever take a week off and not even look at it, or is there some sort of process thing that you do so you can look at it fresh and, and make those cuts that are hard? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll take two, three weeks and yeah. just stop <laughs> okay. and not do anything and you know maybe carry a piece of paper in my pocket mm-hmm. so that if suddenly you know these connections come together that you can't see when you're in the midst of you're underneath all the scenes going oh my god where do we go now yeah. and you step away and then you go oh right and yeah. huge connections come you find you may be able to drop five scenes yeah. because something makes sense or something clicks so distance is critical right. we, we, we had uh, Lance Hammer on a few weeks ago and talked about Ballast and how much it changed in the editing process. Did this film change a lot in the editing process? No, I think we maybe dropped one, maybe one and a half scenes. So in terms of the order, it was really in our edit with Kate Williams, my brilliant editor. um, we, We just she and I sat together. She did the initial <clears throat> rough and uh, the cut, and I and we sat together and we carved the performances. We we worked with the performances. It was like you know we had to, th- that was our work, mm-hmm. rather than well, we've got to make a story here. The story was kind of set up. Mm-hmm. The beats were there, but it was choosing this beat rather than that beat, mm-hmm. and the rhythm of it, which she brought so much just genius to. Um, there is no way to give her enough credit. No, that's, well, that's wonderful. Well, one last quick question. You're going to come out for coming out for the Spirit Awards. You're going to come out here. I guess so. What do you think? <laughs> I think yeah. you. I think. Yeah, I think you're. Out. I think you're going to be. I think you're going to do okay. I think you should come out. So, if, if nothing else, it's warmer here. <laughs> it's, <laughs> you won't have to wear a sweater all the time here. Oh uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I can't wait. And and my husband absolutely loves Southern California. Uh, Would uh, move in a heartbeat. <laughs> So cool. he'll be there, too. All right, great. <laughs> well, 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 we'll, we'll look the, forward to seeing you. Yeah, the film is Frozen River. Uh, Courtney Hunt's the director. Thanks so much for being a part of film school today, Courtney. Thank you. Yeah, it's my right. pleasure. To learn more about film school, listen to more interviews, or subscribe to our podcast, visit our website at KUCI.org slash filmschool.